I'm your conductor, Pete DeMeo, and today I'm joined on this little hotel marketing train by our engineer, Phil Fariska. Welcome back, everybody. And let's not forget our yardmaster, Melissa Cavanaugh. I thought you were going to call me the caboose. I thought I was going to be the caboose. I'm oh, happy. So, so I don't know if you guys know a lot about trains. Caboose is not a job on a train. We all have jobs on this train. And caboose okay. is actually a, a car. I was aware of that, but okay, we'll go with it, Pete. Yeah. I want to know what a yardmaster is. <laughs> I don't know, uh, but according to, uh, I pulled this from Union Pacific's website, that was one of the jobs on a train. <laughs> I, though, if we were going to do different train cars, Phil, you'd be the dining car. And okay. Melissa, you could be the caboose. Okay, fine. So, it's a, it's a choose, behind. choose your own adventure. Our listeners can decide what part of a train or train crew we all are. All right. Well, cool. So we have a lot to talk about today. So we've got a news, we got a newsroom that's going to be scandalous. We have some listener feedback. And then we're going to be diving into how we can make our hotels as kid-friendly as possible without going overboard on a budget. So to me, that seems like a jam-packed episode and everything you would expect out of episode 192. Absolutely. Nice. All right. So let's just dive right in. Uh, The news of Rue is a crazy one, but we need music before we kick that off. It's hotel marketing we cannot lose. Now it's time for news of Rue's from the caboose. (laughs) (laughs) So Melissa, I I ran into an issue when you unceremoniously took this song away from me. Yeah. It's hard to understand the very first word that you say. Really? Yeah. All right. You got to to lean into the with hotel marketing. I have to emphasize the with. Yes. You're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. I understand. All right. So, Phil, what is a scandalous news item that you have for us today? I found this on entrepreneur.com, and apparently Airbnb tried to cover up a crime in one of their uh, accommodations by paying the victim of said crime $7 million to not talk about it. And you know what? I don't think it was that successful because it ended up on entrepreneur.com. <laughs> yeah. And now they're out $7 million. So what happens to the $7 million If Did she talk about it? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how it ended up here. Um this is a crime from 2015. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not funny. A woman was sexually assaulted in an Airbnb. Uh, that's not that's not funny at all. What I'm talking about is Airbnb trying to cover it up, which is super dirty. Um, telling the woman not to talk about it, sending their, you know, an, an Airbnb spokesperson to court with uh, with the woman. Um, she's not been identified. She declined to comment, as as you might expect. Um, as did her lawyer. So because she's not, you know, named in this, I assume she keeps the 7 million and now Airbnb looks, you know, pretty sleazy trying to cover up something so awful. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it brings up a really interesting point because what happens... So one of the things that was brought up in the article is you stay at a property and a week later somebody else stays at the property. If you have a physical key, there's nothing preventing you from duplicating that key and being able to access that Airbnb after the fact. I mean, to, to be honest, even if it is a digital, uh, like a Kaba lock or somewhere, it's just a, a couple digit code. If that code's not changed every single time, there's very little, if anything, that Airbnb is doing to secure a property that's not managed by them. Yeah, I've, in, in all the Airbnbs that I've ever stayed in, there's been a, a code and we know the code's changed because you know a lot of times they'll make the code you know the last four digits of your phone number or something like that where um, you know that it's been changed and it's unique to you um, if you're running an airbnb i would highly recommend this because you don't want to end up in a situation where someone's going into the airbnb when they're not supposed to um, but yeah this this to me was just like do i do i want to stay with airbnb if they're they're doing business like this, trying to cover up some awful crime. And, you know, it, it, honestly, this probably wouldn't have got out. You may not have even heard of it unless it was, you know, local news somewhere. And now it's on, you know, national websites covering this scandal. Yeah, I'm staying at an Airbnb next week. And obviously this makes me very concerned. Okay, so if Airbnb is not standing by their guest, not enforcing the rules and helping their homeowners do everything they can do. This was a really poor Band-Aid. If you had taken that $7 million and invested it in training for your host to make sure that they had the proper security in places, understood how to change locks and all the other stuff that they would need to do, that would have been a, a PR win to say, look how much money we're investing instead of going the completely you know, evil corporate way and buying right. people to keep their mouth shut. Right. Yeah. That's what I just, I didn't like about it. You could have, you could exactly Pete you could have taken that 7 million. You could have, you know, done essentially like a secret shopper, right? Have somebody go stay at, at you know, a few Airbnbs, make sure security practices are in place and cleanliness practices are in place. Just make sure your hosts are doing the right thing. Uh, and instead they decided to go this route and we're here talking about how gross that is. And the other thing to consider as well, is we're talking about something that happened six years ago. Airbnb was a different company back then. It was a lot more unregulated. Cities were not as involved in treating them as an accommodation, providing, you know, charging tax and everything else that goes along with an accommodation. But the fact that you made, they made this horrendous mistake six years ago and it's still coming back to haunt them should tell everybody hoteliers airbnb or whomever the things that we do today we're going to have to answer for years and years down the road and always 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 think of your customer first and do the right thing right away wow so according to this article Airbnb has spent an average of $50 million annually in recent years on payments to hosts and guests, including legal set settlements and damage to homes. Annually, $50 million annually. Wow. Well, I would think a lot of those would be damages to homes. Yeah, I think by combining all those things into one lump payment, 
is kind of, eh, I don't know if I agree with that so much. I'd like to say, okay, what is your payouts for crimes being committed that you're trying to pay hush money for? Right. Then paying damage to homes, that's probably part of the insurance programs that they have where if a guest causes problems that the, the host is made for whole. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, yeah, it's the, it's the, you are a victim of something terrible and please don't say this and please don't say you were saying in a Airbnb because that's bad press for us. You know, it's bad press for you, Airbnb, this right here. Yeah. And from something that was, so was six years ago. I mean, the people right. who made that decision very likely aren't even working at TripAdvisor. So it's, you have to think about the, the decisions that you make are, are timeless and they'll come and back the and get you. The internet does not forget. Never, so. never has and never will. I mean, and this article is from yesterday. So, right. yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so that's the news of So let's see. We haven't had listener feedback since the big switch. Who reads these? Is this a Phil job? Is this a me job still? Pete, I'm uh, giving this one to you. Okay. Okay, so this one is it's pretty awesome. We don't get a lot of international feedback, and this one comes to us from Ecuador, which is awesome. So it's from Signo, and he says, Hey, just listen to your 2018 podcast on TripAdvisor. I was wondering if you ever got a response or figured out what was going on. We've got a top-rated restaurant in Ecuador that has failed to receive any attention from TripAdvisor awards. Yet restaurants around us, including some that have little or no reviews over the last year, have been awarded Traveler's Choice. When I try to contact TripAdvisor the owners, through the owner's portal, it does nothing and I, I cannot get a hold of anybody. The only way I can get a hold of them is to write them through their fraud portal. And I feel like I'm going crazy and any insight that you can have would be much appreciated. So for, for this, just so... I. It, if you aren't aware, you should be if you're listening to this podcast, but if you aren't aware, uh, the Traveler's Choice Awards are, are given to um, hotels and restaurants that have had a, a good quantity of quality reviews over the past year. So if you were in your area, if you're, if you're the ones receiving the most positive reviews, you're likely going to get a Traveler's Choice Award. And... What we're seeing here is uh, this person's not getting it, and they absolutely should because the the restaurants around them are are receiving it with way less reviews and way less positive reviews. Yeah, and if we look at episode eighty four, which is the one that he was listening to back in two thousand eighteen. Speaking of which, the internet never forgets, and we're going back three years. But we we at the time we were talking about things that were changing with TripAdvisor and questions that they. TripAdvisor would not ask, answer, should I say. And one of those at the time was why were hotel rankings dropping so significantly? Obviously, this was a, a big issue in 2018. A lot of the, the issues surrounding that have been since resolved by TripAdvisor. In my follow-up, so I went back to Signo and asked him what, you know, what was going on and specifically the, the, the issue. What he, what he told us was he's had 57 reviews over the past year, and some of his competitors have had maybe one or two. However, there was a review that TripAdvisor, and I say this in quotes because he has it in quotes, suspected may have been from somebody affiliated with the restaurant. As a result, TripAdvisor basically blacklisted this phenomenal restaurant because 
somebody may have left a review that they feel was related to the property. He's not aware of anybody doing this. He has no recollection of what that may have been. TripAdvisor's not forthcoming on that information. And it makes it really hard. If you're doing everything you can correctly, TripAdvisor can come in and cut you off at the knees, which is, hey, not cool, TripAdvisor. So not at all. TripAdvisor didn't contact them to say, hey, we think that this is fraudulent so that they could respond to that. They're just assuming it is and that's the end of it. He said that they were notified on May 17th, but he never received an alert. So um, who knows where that actually went to. But but yeah, so more or less, they, they decide, hey, you've had 57 great reviews. You're one of the top restaurants in the country, but now you're all but invisible to, to your potential patrons. That's and it's so silly. Um, what what's happening here is that I don't think I don't think they told him which review was suspected and can he prove or disprove that it was somebody who worked there. And let's say all right, let's let's give TripAdvisor the benefit of the doubt here and say that okay, it was somebody at the at the restaurant who maybe reviewed a meal they had at the restaurant. Yeah, it's a little biased, but. Uh, you know, okay, tell me what review it is. If I can say that, yes, that person works here, then TripAdvisor, please remove it and then make me eligible for the rewards or the awards. Um, I, I don't think that th this is just not the way to go about it. If you're, if the owner of the business is saying that, you know, hey, I'm willing to work with you because I, you know, want to be in the award program and you're doing nothing to help that person and you're making it impossible to contact you. Once again, TripAdvisor, you're messing up. Absolutely. So we're going, since we have a much bigger platform than TripAdvisor ever wished they had, if you're in Ecuador, stop <laughs> by Somos Restaurant, which is S-O-M-O-S dot R-E-S-T is the, the website. It looks phenomenal. And we've even been given an invitation if we're ever in Ecuador to stop by and have a meal. So that's pretty awesome. So you hear that, everybody? Go, go to Ecuador, go to Somos, and enjoy phenomenal-looking cuisine. Next on my travel list. So that covers the scandalous news news That covers TripAdvisor being bad Trip actors. <laughs> TripAdvisor being TripAdvisor. TripAdvisor, TripAdvisoring. And that takes us to the lead topic, which is five inexpensive ways that you can lean into kid-friendly. Before we dive into this too much, though, this came to this idea came about based on a recent clubhouse I was on about how important it is to to treat kids like the guest that they actually are, and it's so important that when you're dealing with all of your guests that you treat them like people. And I think the golden rule to remember here is kids are actually just small people, and they want to be treated like people. Too many hoteliers go down the completely wrong path. They talk to the parent, they ignore the children, and they don't make that small guest feel empowered, excited, and just thrilled to be on vacation. Yeah, they, the hotelier that focuses on the person with the wallet rather than the person who influences the wallet, it, it's, a, it's a big mistake. That's absolutely true. Because So, for instance, we're going on vacation next week. We're going down to the Keys to do some snorkeling, to have a lot of fun, just kind of check out the sites. 
so we decided, my wife and I decided when we were going on vacation, what worked best. But throughout the entire process, our kids were instrumental in deciding what we do, where we go, things that they want to see. And kids do much more research now than they ever have before. They are very well-educated travelers and hotels are doing a disservice to themselves and to their guests when they don't lean into kid-friendly or family-friendly if that is truly something that your resort or property offers or should be offering. I'm glad you made that distinction though, Pete, that if it is what you are, and let's not pretend that if you are not, if you are a fancy four-star, five-star boutique property with fancy things and tchotchkes everywhere that are breakable, you know, you're maybe not kid-friendly and maybe that's not how you want to promote yourself. Yeah, don't, don't lean into it if it's not your identity. People will see through that. If you market that you're kid-friendly and you go to the property and everything is a, a do not touch, there's not things for kids to do, it's only going to hurt you. Just like with TripAdvisor or Airbnb not being authentic, you've got to be authentic in this. And if you want to be kid-friendly, you really have to lean into it so that it becomes a great amenity, not something that is a sales pitch that you are not able to deliver when the person gets to your property. Yeah, you're not kid-friendly because you allow kids to stay there. You actually have to do something for them. Absolutely. And then I'd also add another thing to that as well. Kids in general, are not a monolithic group. Toddlers are going to want entirely different things than tweens or teens visiting your property. So understand that you may be kid-friendly, but are you a, a great place for families with teens? Are you a great place and you offer babysitting for people with you know, smaller children? You have to decide kind of where you fit in there, and it's okay if you don't do everything. But the things that you do offer and you do 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 them phenomenally. All right. So with that being said, I've got five groups of things that any hotelier can do if they decide that they want to be kid-friendly. And the very first one is, and actually I probably should put this above that, you need to decide if you're going to be a kid-friendly property or you're family-friendly. If you're specifically kid-friendly, you're going to want to tweak your amenity set, your marketing, your rooms, and staff to make sure that you're truly delivering on what the kids want versus a family-fit-friendly resort where you have a couple family activities and it's not so dedicated to, to kids. Yeah, and I think a lot of what, what we're going to cover here is this, is this is operational before marketing. Put these things in place first before you go out telling everyone you're kid-friendly. But the first one on your list here, Pete, is a kid-friendly staff, which I think is just extremely important. If you were going to, if you were going to market yourself as a kid-friendly property, make sure your staff understands that and, and follows through on that promise. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's so easy also to be, to have a kid-friendly staff. What you have to do is you have to empower your staff to be able to take the time and cater to all their guests, but specifically you know, for today's podcast, cater to the kids. And it doesn't have to be a massive gesture. This is something that does not necessarily need to impact your hotel's bottom line at all. A really great example of this is, you know, I go out to New Mexico pretty frequently to a resort called the Inn of the Mountain Gods, and they just do a phenomenal job 
welcoming kids at check-in if you have a kid with you they have a bunch of little stuffed animals related to the property so i think one's a badger one might be an eagle there's a bunch of different little stuffed animals and they all have names and little stories to go behind them so every kid who checks in they get a little stuffed animal it's not expected it's that surprise and delight that we always talk about you know how can i make sure that when this kid stays at the property they're blown away from the time they drive in to your front to the time that they're checking out so so think about that how what are those little things you can do to surprise and delight i i think that this uh we we I think we've said this about pet friendly in the past and not to necessarily compare pets to children even though we know a lot a lot of people do um when you have a little gift at the front desk for for someone's pet if even if it's just like a treat we know how how far that goes in the in the pet owner's mind same thing with the parent's mind if you have that little that little unexpected gift right that's it goes it goes a long long way to like oh they they care about my kid too that's 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 pretty awesome it's just going to lead to that positive experience they have when they're on property and Again, you're more likely to get a positive review. You're more likely to get a um, just a just a good experience for for the the whole family that's staying. Oh, traveling with kids, especially young kids, is a razor's edge. You don't know when it's going to be awesome and a lot of fun, or when it's going to be a freaking nightmare. So, <laughs> if you have a team on the parent side, which is the staff, helping the kid have an amazing time you want to stay at the resort longer. You want to enjoy more of the on-site amenities and you just want to have a good time. Look how Disney treats kids from a staff perspective. I know we were down there years ago when our kids were really young and you couldn't pass a housekeeper, maintenance person, front desk staff without four or five stickers getting thrown at your kids. And the kids just went nuts over it. They were so excited. Anytime they saw a member of the staff, they were getting you know, little surprises, it makes the kid want to come back. It makes the kid eager to engage and be a part of the resort while they're there. You, so you got to give your staff that latitude to have fun with your guest. If, and I, I say this with the current work, workforce shortage that we have, but if your staff has the time to spend a few minutes engaging with the kids and being their friend and just being a great hotelier, it's going to pay off so much. The best part yeah, is of all that is one of the things that really doesn't cost you anything. And and if you know that uh, the person staying in the room has kids, and you leave that, you know, like Pete said, stickers, but it could be any little, any little kid toy, any little thing like that that you know kids get excited about. You know, we know the parents don't care, but the kids get excited about. Have your housekeeper leave it behind and say, you know, for, you know, for the children, whatever, something like a little note, little little thing they can leave behind kids get excited when they get back to the room uh you know something along those lines um but another one that i that i've heard of pete is some hotels you know i again maybe maybe not with staffing issues right now but once we get back into full force having a a kid concierge on property to help you help the families with children you know plan that family-friendly vacation give them give them that itinerary uh the things to do in the area that are, you know, that the kids are guaranteed to love. Make sure that 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 kid concierge understands kids, understands the 
appropriate age range uh, when they're when they're suggesting the attractions in the area. But but helping the family plan that itinerary, keep the kids you know engaged, involved, excited, um, and don't let them just be bored while they're you know visiting your city. I was just gonna say you never want to hear that word from your kid's mouth while you're on vacation. I'm bored. Never. Yeah, it, it's all downhill from that point. So for a kid's concierge, it's a phenomenal idea. That's awesome, awesome find. It's, it can be difficult to do if you don't have the staffing for it. But if you do have the staff and you have the technology stack to help promote it, that kid concierge should be in contact with your guest prior to their arrival. You know if somebody selected they're, they're bringing kids. That should trigger an automated email, automated personalized email, letting them know that hey, I'm Phil, and I'm the kid concierge at such and such resort. Make that connection now and start working with them so that you can give them that very personalized treatment and help the parents figure out what to do during that very tight window between getting to the property, getting checked in, and to the room. That's that critical area where you want to make sure you create that great experience. Yeah, this is, this is kind of going back to what I mentioned a little bit earlier. Put the put the operation in place, offer this, figure it out, make sure that 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 is that offering is in place and solidified. And then like Pete said, make sure you're making the future guests uh, aware of this offering and, and make sure they take advantage of it. Yep. And in this case, we're obviously on the marketing side. We don't live and breathe on the operation side, but I did talk to a lot of properties in advance of, of this podcast, kind of understanding what other properties are doing and doing well and the things that are not necessarily high impact from a, a revenue perspective. Unfortunately, we're about to start talking about the next most important thing, which is kid-friendly rooms. And that, depending on how far you want to lean into this, can be an expensive proposition or it can be something where you just use it to create little moments of surprise and delight. So if you want to take a look, say, at Disney's Family Suites or Great Wolf Lodge's Theme Suites, both of which they completely leaned in on and created something where the room itself is part of the destination. So Great Wolf Lodge, they have cabins built into the room with bunk beds in it. At Disney, you can stay at a Cars or a Finding Nemo themed suite where everything about it is to the theme of whatever it might be. We've stayed in these and it is a home run from a parent's perspective. The kids love it and it's one of those things that they're gonna be talking about for years and years to come down the road. But again, I mean, this is Disney and Great Wolf Lodge. Both of these are truly, these are kid destinations. Like if you're going there, chances are you've got kids. Absolutely. Yeah, so so that's kind of like the, I think the, the holy grail from a, a kid-friendly perspective. We don't have to go there, but understand that is in the kid's mindset what they, what is like the ultimate destination. And, and obviously you're probably not gonna have the budget to completely completely renovate a room, make it themed. We, we understand that, but anything, any, anything you can do to partially get there, to make it more kid-friendly within the room if you do have the budget, you know, go for it, go all out. And this is, this is an upsell. Um, you know, someone books with, with kids, 
then said, hey, would you like to upgrade to our kid-friendly room? You know, and hit that second wallet later on. That's, again, that's, that's the home run for you as the hotelier. Maybe call it something other than the kid-friendly room. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, and whatever your theme is, Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, in thinking of that, what are some of those lower dollar things that can be done to make the kids feel welcome and excited when they first walk into that hotel room? So something super easy. I know as an adult, when I walk into a hotel room after traveling for who knows how long, after delayed flights, just having that bottle of water in the room is awesome. And kids will drink water too. But what about some juice boxes? Some Capri Sun. Fun. Super easy. Easy, cheap. And again, the kids are happy. The parents are happy. Simple for you to do. And they don't need to be refrigerated or anything like that. So it's just it's just easy, theoretically. <laughs> yeah. I say that because I'm not the one who actually has to do that. But you know where I'm going with it. Exactly. Yeah. And and I was I, I kind of expand on that as well is say you know when I go to a, a property I expect certain pieces of technology to be at the property. I expect USB ports, you know, convenient lighting, you know, fast internet, all that kind of fun stuff. I think kids expect the same thing, but think about the, the technology and what a kid just assumes is there. So Yeah, they're probably more needy than adults right now in terms of technology. Right, because like, so for instance, when I travel, I don't expect the TV to be able to connect to my streaming services. It's great when it does, and it's a little awesome surprise, but kids, especially as the younger they get, they don't even understand that, oh, this is the crappy TV service that the hotel offers. <laughs> no, I, I want to have my Netflix. I want to see, you know, my uh, YouTube login. I want to be able to see what I'm used to seeing because most kids do not consume TV the way that an adult would consume TV. So giving the, putting those things in place it's very important. And I don't know if that's necessarily so much from a kid perspective. That's going to be one of those things that's ex expected, almost like how color TV or cable became expected decades ago. Yeah, I, rem I remember laughing at the hotels that had on their front marquee that they had color TV. <laughs> and air conditioning. <laughs> right? Well, you have to, when you do color, each letter in the word color has to be a different color. Otherwise, <laughs> the point does not get across. Um, I see those signs occasionally, by the way. If you see color TV on a marquee in 2021 and that hotel is actually still open, my goodness. Yeah, those letters driving. are just stuck keep on driving. there at this point. <laughs> now, I would like to really lean into that on some of our websites for uh, April Fool's Day. Really push color TV, oh, cable. Just go uh, retro retro marketing for April Fool's Day. I love it. Yeah. Okay. No one no one's listening. Remember that, please. Don't don't steal our ideas. <laughs> All right. So what uh, else what else can we do from a, a kid friendly room perspective? You're uh, coming from the the guy with the the newborn. Um, I saw that some hotels offer baby ready rooms, and if you offered that, and I was traveling to your area, I'm picking your hotel for sure. Um, we've seen hotels, you know, it's, again, it's maybe not the cheapest endeavor, but you don't have to do this to every room. You do this to maybe 
you know, two, three handful of rooms. Some, you know, offer rooms with cribs, rocking chairs, some, some other baby necessities like, you know, baby shampoos, diapers. Um, I think it was even maybe Trump hotels that offered logoed bibs for, for the babies. Um, that, like that stuff is, that goes so far, obviously as a new parent, I can't lug everything that my newborn needs with me on a trip. So if you're going to help me out and provide some of that, I'm 100% picking your hotel and I'm 100% going to pay a little extra to stay in that room that offers those things. So Phil, have you traveled much with Isla? Not yet. Um, I know we, we will be, you know, later this summer, uh, a few times actually. And luckily where we're staying, we get to stay with some family. Um, but even, even family doesn't necessarily have these, these amenities that I need. So if a hotel in the area does offer it, maybe I'll consider paying to stay rather than staying with family. Yeah. Because it, You'd never have a big enough car, even now. So basically traveling, you know, with my wife, a teenager and a 12 year old. And oh, my gosh, we're probably going to have to get a series. The train that we started the podcast out with, I'm going to need that (laughs) because everybody has a separate bag for their bathing suits. Everybody has a separate bag for you know, this and that and this and that. I'm like, I have one bag. Why do, why do you yeah, need to bring so much? Females, Pete. I, I know, I am traveling. Well, Phil's going to have uh, traveling yeah. with two females. Yes. So. Pete, you get it. You get a book bag's worth of space and the rest goes to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome. I wouldn't have it any other way. So, well, good. So I think that's kind of everything we can kind of go over from the, the room perspective. Again, look at places that do a great job and see what are those things that you can emulate. Disney, again, we'll keep going back to them because they wrote the book on a kid-centric resort. But little things like you know, after your you know, daily maid service, you know, leaving some chocolate for the kid. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, spending a few minutes and having a fun little towel animal waiting for the kid on the bed. All that kind of stuff creates that lasting memory because we've talked about it in podcasts in the past, everything you do with a guest is the sales process to get that person to come back to your resort or property a second time. That's a sales process. You never, never let go of that. If you're leaving towel animals on people's beds, you know that's getting shared on social media. Good point. Fantastic. Going to happen. Just saying. All right. So the next thing that you absolutely want to do after you've got your staff and your rooms all figured out is take a look at that amenity set that you have and make sure that it is kid-friendly where it makes sense and it's kid-friendly in meaningful ways. So I think, you know, kind of one I think that is is really cool, this is more of an outside-the-box amenity that really didn't cost much, is we're on a cruise and they had a self-service soft-serve machine. It's the best thing ever. Not just for kids, but for everybody. It was like, if you're walking around the the boat, you go by, the first thing you did is get a big ice cream cone and, you know, walk to stay in shape, which doesn't make a lot of sense if you're slamming four or five ice cream cones a day. But that's what vacations are for. (laughs) Yeah, so think about those little fun amenities, little things. You know, do you have, you know, 
you know, flavored a flavored water bubbler, you know, in the lobby for check-in. Do you have you know things that you can do from the time the person gets to the property? Did you just say water bubbler? Did yeah. you mean water fountain? Uh, no. Like there's there's, there's things that you would see like at a, a convention that you know you pull a little handle down and the water comes out. So we were at a, a property in Virginia Beach and they had like lime and lemon, three different flavors of of water. And you can you know pull the thing down a little cup. It was a it was a big oh hit. got it okay okay. So I think bubbler was the right term. I've I've heard people refer to water fountains as bubblers. Yes. Oh no no I think that's like Midwest or something like that. That's that's not me. But but pe- people didn't tune into this for water delivery technologies. <laughs> Maybe they did. <laughs> Maybe they did. <laughs> They're like finally after 192 episodes, they're getting to the good stuff. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so for your amenities, I would say acknowledge where those friction points are with kids and address them very early on. You know, a great example of that is you know either waiting for food or waiting to check in. Where can you offload that from a technology perspective, or where can you create waiting areas that are more comfortable than sitting on a bench in a lobby? Yeah, and and how about just you know making the waiting experience not feel like waiting doesn't matter where it is um simple things televisions you know the not every parent's excited about a ton of screen time for their kid but man would they much rather have the kid be somewhat occupied rather than complaining about the wait for say something like check-in um and in that in that screen can be showing that could that could serve as your kid concierge right um, showing the fun things to do on property and around the area, get them excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, give them give them something to do while they're just standing there, because otherwise they're, you know, pulling on the coattails, saying, you know, what's next? Where are we? I'm bored. Those those things you never want to hear from kids. Yep. I mean, kind of going back to that earlier example with the end of the mountain gods, where you know on check in they had a little stuffed animal for for the kids. But little things, you know, balloons, candy, toys, whatever it might be, just to create a little bit of excitement. You know, a lot of times kids know they're going to the hotel, they're going to have to wait in line. If you can turn that from something that they're not looking forward to, to a surprisingly fun experience, then you've really gone far to to hitting that kid-friendly mark. You know why that impresses me, Pete, is because that particular property is also a casino property. So it's going from one extreme to catering to straight-on adults to doing these little things for the kids, too. So I think that that is awesome and to be complimented. Yeah, they, they really, really do a, a phenomenal job. So another thing that they do really well, and uh, I haven't been there with, with kids much, but if you uh, your food and beverage think about it from a kid's perspective as well. I have food and beverage as an amenity, even though it's just not necessarily an amenity per se, but make sure, and this one came to us from from Clubhouse as well, always have a kid's portion of any entree that you offer, and then obviously everybody should have chicken nuggets and spaghetti. On the menu, 24-7, there's very few things that will solve a kid's problem, like a big plate of spaghetti or some dino nuggets. I've heard this in several clubhouse rooms. I'm glad you brought it up. But, you know, just because kids are kids, and yes, a lot of them only want chicken nuggets or mac and cheese, but, 
you know, our kids are getting more expansive in their taste and maybe they would like a small steak or a small, like a slider instead of a giant hamburger. Like you can offer the same food, but just smaller portions. You'd be oh, surprised. The worst thing that ever happened to me was letting my younger kid have some of my prime rib. <laughs> and that's like, oh, I'm going to order the prime rib. I'm like, oh, fantastic. <laughs> Let me see if daddy can get an extra job to, to pay for your high-end meals. My, my dad said the same thing. He was like, you know, when you were seven years old, you started ordering adult portions of food, and then we could never go back from there because we'd show up at a restaurant, and you would order a rack of ribs, and they'd say half rack, and he'd say no, whole rack. <laughs> So, so that's why you want this spaghetti because you want to yeah. hide, the, hide the good food from the kids until yeah. you can afford it. So nice. Uh, what else do we have? What else can we do from amenities perspective? You know, kids clubs. We we've seen especially in our area, Myrtle Beach, a lot of these a lot of these resort properties have have a kids club, which you know they'll offer fun things for kids to do, crafts, whatever, um, games, bingo. Things that they, the, the kids definitely enjoy. Um, it can take a little bit of burden off the parents, can, can have something kid-specific, fun for them. Um, we, we even had you know, one of our clients take it to the next level uh, and offered a, I believe we mentioned it on the podcast in the past, but a mermaid experience in their pool uh, and a scuba experience, um, kind of teaching kids to scuba dive in the pool environment. Um, and again, offering that mermaid, they can take photos with the mermaids, swim with the mermaids. I think they even got like a mermaid tail when they went and, and, and paid for this add on, but it was, uh, you know, a huge hit. And that's one of the top family friendly properties in this whole area. But, um, but something like that, you know, that, that's a unique experience. They're, they're the only one that I can think of that offers that. Uh, but they've definitely set themselves apart by by doing something like that, and it's a it's a simple partnership with a local business that that does this. And well, again, shareable moments that all that stuff is going to be shared with everybody that those people know. Bingo! And one of the things that we don't have on here are those you know silly things like a selfie station just for the sake of a selfie station create those great experiences and the photos will happen organically and they'll get shared with everybody. It's, it's a phenomenal way. But Phil, you kind of had a perfect segue into the, the fourth point that we want to cover, which is a kid-friendly community. So the mermaids, the scuba experiences at this one property, I mean, the property does not employ mermaids or scuba instructors, but what they did which is phenomenal, is they partnered with people who did those things. So if it's a, an aquarium nearby, or, and I think in the case of this one property, they were mermaids who were a part of Pirate's Voyage, which is a, a big dinner attraction show here in Myrtle Beach. But by partnering with them, one, you're bringing the community into your property, you're helping your guests realize the great family and kid-friendly things that they can do, but you're also offloading some of the cost and expense of having these great amenities. Everybody's gonna remember the awesome time that they got to go scuba diving in one of the resort pools at an off hour. They're not gonna think about it in terms of 
you know, it was a, a third party that did this. They thought I was at this resort. I had an amazing experience. And now I want to go back every single year. Yeah. And I mean, those are, those are the onsite experiences we're talking about. You can, you can lean into some offsite things too, partnering with other local businesses in the community. Um, you know, can you, can you offer a free pass for the kid to go to the local go-kart track? Cause if the, the kid gets the free pass and the kid knows they have the free pass, that kid's going to badger their parents to go to the local go-kart track. And then the parents have to pay to get involved. And you know, the, that that attraction is 100% going to give you the the one free pass to know that they're getting three four other passes bought when they show up. Um, th- those type of partnerships are are you know mutually beneficial for for your hotel because uh, you know someone feels like they get this added value right, and it's good for the local attraction that you partner with. Yeah, and when you create this as part of a good thing is like a welcome gift. You know, when the kid first gets to the property, they may get like a little tote bag or a plastic bag with, you know, maybe it's the stuffed animal, maybe it's some candy, and it's a bunch of these passes and whatnot that are going to get them engaged in the community. That kid's going to spend so much time going through their awesome little gift of, of surprises. And like you said, Phil, if they have a pass to a go-kart track, well, everybody's going to need to go, go, go to the go-kart track with that kid. So it works out great for the community too. All right. So that are the four things that we need to be doing from a resort perspective or hotel perspective to be as kid-friendly as we possibly can be. None of this stuff costs a lot of money. It's more about making a commitment and getting your staff to get to be the right mindset to really cater to all guests, the young and old alike. But once you have all that set, then it's time to turn to the fifth thing that we want to talk about, which is the marketing aspect of it, which is going to be the thing that really helps drive your future guests. So kind of one of the first things we want to say there is utilize kid-friendly mediums to engage kids as they are consuming media. Don't just focus on your adult customers. Think about the kid customers from the beginning of the marketing process right through the end. And, and think about, you know, when you're, when you're placing ads, uh, in, in kid friendly areas, let's say, you know, YouTube, if you're focusing on more kid friendly channels, um, make the ads feel more kid friendly. You know, you're, you're not speaking to an adult here, you're speaking to a kid and, and you want that kid to get excited and then push their parents to come to your property. So you may need to change up your advertising a little bit, change up your messaging a little bit. Um, you know, for YouTube specifically, the video ads, the pre-roll ads that you're showing, um, you know, just, just make sure that you are speaking to the right audience. We say this all the time in marketing, but speak to the right audience. In this case, the audience is the kid that you're trying to reach, um, to get them excited to come to your area and specifically to your property. Maybe you have a mascot, like something that represents your property, like a dolphin or a badger or whatever, some sort of uh, mascot. Maybe you make the mascot your spokesperson in your video. There you go. Simple, but effective. Yeah. And, and all the content that you're producing should be for, for your customers. And we talked about it earlier. The parents will decide a lot about a vacation, but if you're traveling with kids, the kids are going to decide where you go or what's most important for them 
on any given vacation. So lean into that and make sure that you're part of that kid's decision set, not just the parents. And that goes beyond just the, the paid media. You know, look at your authentic content on social platforms. You know, if you haven't considered participating in TikTok, either organically or paid, it's something to worth looking into. I mean, the kids spend a ton of time on these platforms. And if you can be on there, you can take care of, you know, trending topics and you can engage the customers where they are. It's going to work out very, very well for you. And, and, and outside of the digital realm, um, how do you get involved with kid-friendly attractions in your major drive markets, right? So uh, they're, they're, you know, kid-friendly. I'm thinking from Myrtle Beach specifically. If we, you know, one of our biggest drive markets is Charlotte. I know they have these things called, like, Monkey Joes out there, and it's just this big, you know, kid-friendly thing that, that you know, it's uh, slides and ball pits and things like that. The, you know, kids throw birthday parties there all the time. How can you get involved with with places like that where you know you're again reaching the the right audience? Um, you might have to get a little creative, uh, offer some kind of you know partnership deal with them. But you know, how do you how do you get involved with things within your your major markets that that you can reach the right audience? Perfect. And I would say that also while you're while you're building out your marketing stack for for kids. Reviews are essential. They're essential for adults and they're just as essential for kids. So if you have a good family resort, if you have people who you know are bringing a child to the property, get their feedback. So you know that someone is checking in, they have two adults and two kids, on their post-day survey, have a section for the kid to leave a review. Obviously, privacy and COPA concerns are, are there, it doesn't have to be personal, uh, physical, uh, personally identifiable, but having a kid give you feedback saying, I really like the fact that they had spaghetti. I like the fact that I had something to do when I checked in. Whatever it might be, it's those little nuggets of things that you may not have realized were so impactful for the child until after the fact. And then you can find out what that is and lean in even more for, for future guests. Yeah, I mean, even, even if you want to, you know, think about this, like your, your post-day survey that you're sending to every guest anyway or every guest that said they had a you know, good time on your property, just pop in a little question in that. You know, what was your kid's favorite thing? If you know they came with kids, you can, you can add that as a, as a field where you know, even the parent might know the answer already and fill it in and help you out. Um, you, know, you get to see it. You get to share those type of things. Yep. And I think the last thing that really think about from a marketing perspective, and I say that but there's a billion things to focus on. Once you understand what are the drivers for, your, for the kids at your property, what they like, what they don't like, don't forget that family and kid amenity section of your website. You know, so many properties, they may say they're kid friendly, and then you go to their amenities section of the website, and it says that we have a kids club, and there's a old pixelated picture of a kid, you know, doing a picture at a table. That is not good enough. A perfect example is, again, I'm going to go back to Great Wolf Lodge. They have an amazing attraction section that has all these great amenities. And you can filter it by age. So if you're a, a teenager, you can find activities that work well. If you're you know, middle school, elementary school, toddler, whatever it might be, you can drill down to find out what's going to be most effective. Build that out and take the time 
because it's not just the parents going to your website, it's the kids planning the trip as well. And I'm going to add one more thing to this list, if you don't mind, Pete. Go for it. Uh, I'm going to say it's a little bit more work up front, but could be worth its weight in gold, is building an itinerary builder, either on your website or if you have a mobile app, even better. And by doing this, one, you're possibly getting people to create a login. So you're capturing email that you got your first party data. And if you're really super duper fancy, you're capturing this information that they're building so you can retarget them and learn more about them for their next day. Great point. So, so on that point, when you're doing very personalized things like that, you're not going to have a ton of people engage with, say, an itinerary builder. But the people who do, that's exactly who you want to be communicating with. They are the hyper fans creating the accounts, building out those itineraries. I, you know, I've always looked at itinerary builders and said, oh, it's, you only had X percent of people use this overall. Was it worth it? Until you start considering the fact that the people who use it, it was invaluable for that person to be able to plan that trip and it really created a great relationship with them. Absolutely. And and again, it may be the better place. It may not be the most used thing on your website. It may not get used at all on your website, honestly. But if you've got the mobile app and you can build it in there and that's going to be on their phone with them when they go to your property, I think that that's great. Yep. And it's another reason to have for a customer to download that app because we know they don't delete the apps after they use them. And Melissa, you can tell us all the thousands and thousands of dollars that have been booked of new vacations on apps that the person never ever went to the website. Lots. Lots Boo-coos. of thousands All right. So there's, there's way more ways that you can cater to your younger guest. Uh, you know, from you know, great dining experiences to you know, just overall wonderful experiences that you can create. But I would say before you make any changes, to audit your property through a kid's point of view. Look at your property and identify what those pain points are. The best way to do that is to enlist your kids or your staff kids into a little bit of forced labor and have them go through the property and share their thoughts you're not going to understand what a fifth grader needs until you have a fifth grader go through your property and address the issues. You could even do a little user group. Yeah. A little folk group. Yeah, kids love sharing their thoughts, their ideas, and, and brainstorming. It's, they are not afraid of being honest. <laughs> right, and it, it's, it's a great way. And when you do that, what you're also doing is you are creating an advocate for your brand by asking for someone for help. Even if it's, if it's a guest, say, hey, when your child's going through the property, tell us what they like and what they don't like. You start building that relationship where now they're personally invested in that property because they recommended you put murals you know, on the front of your check-in because that's, what the, that's at the kid's eye. You know, little things like that that might help, it's gonna create advocates for years to come. All right, so what do you guys think? Is that enough information to have hoteliers become awesome kid-friendly properties? I hope so. 
And if you have something that you do on property that we didn't mention and you want to share it with us, you know, feel free. We'll, we'll bring it up on the next podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, and if, if you want the, the notes to, to this podcast, we have everything written out as a podcast notes, but also as an article. Go to TravelBoomMarketing.com slash podcast and click on episode 192. We're getting real close to 200. It's crazy. We are getting close. Oh, and um, just to throw it out there. Uh, if you enjoyed all the content today, we'd, we'd really appreciate it if you, number one, leave a review. Uh, number two, come follow us on, on social media at Travel Boom Marketing um, on, on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all that good stuff. Uh, come find us and, and follow us, and we'll, we'll share all this type of content out with you guys. Perfect. And, and, and now that we are Travel Boom, we need all the likes and follows that we can get. So, so listen to Phil. He's a smart guy. He's never led you wrong. Since we're talking about you and how smart you are and that you don't lead people in the wrong directions, where can they find more information about you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Phil Fariska. All right. How about you, Melissa? If they want to learn more about you or Caboose Technology. I don't think you want my Caboose Technology. Okay. <laughs> well, you can find me on LinkedIn or on Clubhouse at Melissa Kavanaugh, K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And I'm... Pete DeMeo, P-E-T-E-D-I-M-A-I-O, on both LinkedIn and Clubhouse. So check us out there. If you want to learn more about us collectively, check out TravelBoomMarketing.com online or all of our social channels as well. And that's what we got for you. That's the Hotel Marketing Podcast for the week. But we'll be back next week. So actually, I lied. We will not be back next week because we're all taking some vacation. Lies, lies, lies. Pete is a liar. But we'll be back the following week which is the next best thing. So, so check us out then, and hopefully you have a phenomenal week, or two weeks, should I say, being the best hotelier you can be. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Do-do-do-do. <laughs>